Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons. And I'm Logan Denning. And it's kind of been interesting how this podcast has evolved uh, from its beginnings with me just kind of all by myself going through world history one movie at a time. And then Logan joined me me halfway through and we've finished up our world history in 100 plus movies going in chronological order. And came with the idea of doing a tournament of sorts to kind of sum things up. Yes, this is kind of inspired... Partially by the uh, the Rex Factor podcast with their tournament for uh, British monarchs, so we decided to do the same thing um, and try and determine who's the most interesting person um, in all of world history. So we have our four brackets broken up by time. Yeah, the only rule basically for inclusion was that they had to be at least mentioned in an episode. And yeah, it's 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 arbitrary as far as our criteria. This is just kind of. Uh... Especially the first round, we will want to get into more detail when we get into the second round, but this first round with 32 people we're talking about, it's really just kind of more what we remember from, you know, talking about them initially on the podcast and just kind of our gut feeling on who we feel should advance. And it's not the most important, it's not the most historically historically significant, it's just kind of who we feel was the most interesting, and even then... It's shades of gray and arbitrary criteria. Even that changes because it's it's uh it's a gut feeling. It's, it's a not gut necessarily feeling. Like it's sometimes it's it's like who's most interesting to us or who had the would have whose life would have been the most interesting like from their point of view. Right, right. So it's it's arbitrary and uh, there's going to be inconsistencies. Right, but you know, leave us alone. It's our show. And now. <laughs> The, the two matchups we have today, the four people we have today, I am so already torn in advance before we even talk about them. I don't want to eliminate any of these four. Right. I <laughs> I think that these four are all probably contenders, like for the final four or even the championship. Like, yeah, this is yeah. A, this is this is a uh, this, these are four heavy hitters. Right. So we're we're doing Alexander the Great, Ashoka the Great. Julius Caesar and Ramses II, or Ramses is the Great. And yeah, if you told me someone was doing a tournament of the most interesting people in all of world history, and you said... And these were their final four? Yeah, yeah. And you said, this is the final four. I'd be like, oh yeah, man, man that sounds about right. I can't even... Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, so beyond that, so we've the, one, the rounds we've done thus far, yeah, you can make a case for any one of these four beating everybody that we've talked about so far that we've had advance. And... Yeah, we're going to have to eliminate two today, and I am already upset about that. And trying to think about ways to circumvent through our own rules. <laughs> all we have to do is go back and re-record all the episodes <laughs> where, we, where we said anything about the bracket, so we can do some manipulation. And... <laughs> um, okay, so I, we're not going to do that. But something I am actually considering, <laughs> and we won't mess with it until later. So my here's my here's my thought, and um. We'll put a pin in it, but here's my thought for uh, uh, the future here, is that what if when we get down to the eight, so we actually get down to the final eight, do we have the option of, would you replace any of these eight with anybody else who's been eliminated? No. 
Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm we're, I, we're not even there yet. I, I'm just because, saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 because I, I think that uh, that takes like the stakes away. No, you're right. You're like, right. Oh, it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't matter who we eliminate nope. today because all we're gonna do is like, oh well, yeah. If the Trung sisters are in the eight, then like we're just gonna fuck them off, and we're just gonna bring back you know whoever whoever we eliminate. Okay. Today. So I, I, no, you're right. It's it's life's not fair. History's written by the you, winners. So yeah, you're right. You're well, right. I was gonna say and it. Rich, eventually we are going to have to pick a winner. So eventually everyone's going <laughs> to Everybody wins. Everybody's the most interesting person in history. <laughs> you you're right. You're right. That's you're right. We just I'm just gonna, we're just going to have to live with it. And so let's uh let's get started right off. Our first matchup today is Alexander the Great uh versus Ashoka the Great. Alexander, of course, one of the greatest conquerors in world history, uh, one of the oldest household names we kind of talked about with Cleopatra that we couldn't think of a, a woman who predates her. On the male side, you can maybe think of a few that predate Alexander, but as far as the most famous and oldest combined, it's Alexander the Great. I saw a headline of a YouTube video called him arguably the most important person in world history versus Ashoka the Great, one of the greatest emperors in Indian history and Super, super relevant himself. Influential in uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, right? Which right. are both huge religions around today. And arguably, if we lived more in that in that part of the world, it will, he would almost be the more famous one you'd be talking about, right? So, yeah. breaking down the impartial case for and against Alexander the Great, the, the fours again, kind of just you know <laughs> speak from self. So he's also one too. We didn't actually cover him in. A movie because there's not really a good movie about Alexander the Great. I was gonna bring that up because uh, I know that we that you didn't do because this was this would have been back season one, so this is before I had come on the show. But you didn't do an episode about Alexander the Great, but I didn't remember which episode he was mentioned in. So multiple. I was gonna say he's probably the most mentioned person who does not have a full on episode dedicated okay. to himself because I, I'm pretty sure you mentioned him in the. Ashoka the Great episode. Yeah. And Cleopatra. And like I mentioned him I mentioned him in multiple episodes. Every, everything right. does come back to Alexander the Great, which again is kind of part of the case for him. Yeah. And just uh what's crazy too is you know, we talked about Joan of Arc being one of the youngest, you know, dying at nineteen. I mean Alexander the Great died at thirty two years old and is still one of the most influential and important, you know, figures yeah. in world history. Yeah. And then so yes, born into kind of Macedonian royalty, but Macedonia was actually more kind of like the backwater of Greece, and his dad was kind of, you know, a, a prominent leader and, and a competent military guy, right. but then completely dwarfed by his young son, who just yeah. absolutely takes over, not only controls Greece after his father's death, but then swiftly conquers Persia, which again, that's a huge underdog story. It's not like, well, of course they conquered Persia. No, no, no. That's like, it's like when uh, in South Africa when they won the World Cup against New Zealand. It's like it was a huge upset. Right. Like yeah, and and it was it was you know testament to his basically his like strategic brilliance and all of the tactics and everything that he used. Um, a lot of them are still being studied today by uh, military leaders. But on top of all the conquering stuff and all of the you know like the naming seventy cities after himself and naming a city after his horse, you also have the like really interesting personal stuff with like his father was assassinated by one of his guards and his mom was like a nutcase who was like telling him that she was like sleeping with Zeus and that that's how that's who his real father is. She also had this like snake obsession and yeah, so he he's kind of like a he's really interesting uh, because he has the you know the big you know conquering 
leader aspect of his life but also the the drama stuff too right yeah and just and just you know basically the only reason they kind of stopped conquering was you know his troops all get tired and they kind of have to retreat back home and that's where he just kind of dies of illness at a young age in babylon and but yeah he so his i think his if I remember correctly, his armies had lost some battles here and there, but he personally never lost a battle if he was there. Right. And just, yeah, just the idea that, you know, 2,200 years later, his military tactics hold up. Like, that's it, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. And 2,200 years later, not only do we know his name, but there are places you can go. Like, for instance, in Afghanistan, there are places you can go and see ruins of, like, citadels and forts that were built by alexander the great right that's crazy it's crazy and oh so in actually specifically in cleopatra there's a scene in that film i talked about where julius caesar or actually or mark Antony, i forget one of them was with cleopatra and they visit the tomb of alexander the great the location of which has since been lost but so it 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 was definitely it's definitely been relevant and i and of course i love the idea too that he carried his favorite book with him on his campaign out toward India, and that was the Iliad by Homer. Like that was his favorite book. He was taught by Aristotle. Like there's yeah. just a million yeah. things. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, he educated educated by Aristotle, one of the like great philosophical minds of of all time. Yeah, or at least the most famous. Yeah, just yeah. So the the case against Alexander. Uh, again, all four of the people here today, I don't have really a case against any of them. So if we have to make one against Alexander, it might be the kind of the one note thing. All he did yeah. was that he was a conqueror. Yeah. And there's cultural stuff that came along with that. But at the end of the day... But he wasn't really like, he yeah. wasn't like reforming. He wasn't like a uh, progressive or like, you know, like giving his people more civil rights or anything. Like he was... He was a conqueror, and he conquered. And although he was he was tolerant with the cultures of the people he conquered, which have to make him really popular. He didn't try to transform them. Yes, there was a Hellenistic influence, but he didn't try to say yeah. this is your religion now, and you can't get, you had to get rid of these local customs. Right. And, yeah. Right. So I I guess I guess in that case it, it is progress and that's kind of a low bar for progressivism but oh well i didn't you just outright slaughter all my all <laughs> right, my right. enemies that i conquered i i let them live and keep the religion the third century bc version of progressive <laughs> 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 okay so moving to uh oshaka the great the case for he does kind of fit very well into the multiple hats thing, and he's kind of unique. So we have a lot of these conquerors on here, and he is maybe less vast in the size of his empire. And of course, he's also just kind of continuing the empire that his grandfather had built uh, a few gen- or a couple generations earlier. But the idea that he goes from one of many, many sons, like was it like almost like a hundred sons his dad had with all his different wives or whatever, and Oshaka's just like one of his many sons with lesser wives. Yeah, but I I thought that it was like there were three main he was like one of okay. three main ones. That was like true. one that was ahead of him for sure. And there okay. was like three main sons of which he was the middle. And yeah, okay. kind of a deal where he was But he was not expected to succeed his father at all. Right. Exactly. That's that's the bottom line, is that he he was not necessarily the favorite to get the throne. Not even and not even his father's choice. He, yeah. And then uh Right. So he then so he ends up securing the throne anyway, because he's kind of the most popular of his father's sons, and the nobles kind of prefer him. And then he just goes off one on a rampage to secure his own throne and kills off all his brothers or anybody who could potentially challenge him for the throne. Then he just, you know, harshly solidifies his empire and, you know, uh, again, campaigns over years. And it's kind of hard to summarize all here. Right. But one in, in, in particular that is discussed in, in the film, o- Osaka, that, that I did cover, he just wipes out the territory of Kalinga. And apparently right. the, the historical record even reflects this in the aftermath of that battle and seeing the vast loss of life. 
he was devastated. Right. He had a complete change of heart and rededicates yeah. himself to Buddhism and basically just you know becomes a pacifist. And it's right that is kind of unique to anybody on like we have all these military guys and probably too many of them, but of course they get to that point for a reason and we can kind of get into that. But he stands alone from all of them of basically recanting and having this change of heart. Genghis Khan didn't do that. Napoleon didn't do that. Julius Caesar didn't do that. Alexander the Great didn't do that. Oshaka the Great did. And it kind of sets him apart from these others. Yeah. And in contrast to what I just said about Alexander the Great, (laughs) Osaka the Great, he does have kind of some more, I guess, progressive policies in his rule after he conquers Kalinga, where, well... Uh, he he's like you know does all these kind of uh, not really social programs but kind of like infrastructure things for his kingdom you know building roads and then along those roads like digging wells and planting a bunch of trees and planting orchards so that people traveling can like get water and get food and have shelter and which is uh, you know another thing that you don't really see with uh, with a lot of these conquering rulers that are famous for conquering and and we still have uh icons today more so in india obviously but icons today that that still exist there's the the kind of the four facing lines like the four lions seated back to back to back that's an osaka thing yeah and then also even just like the little uh I don't know what you call it, but like there's this little iconic like wheel thing. You see it on Indian money and a lot of Indian designs. There's just kind of like this kind of iconic circle. And mm-hmm. you'd know it if you saw it. It's kind of hard to describe on a podcast, but that goes back to Ashoka's time too. So there's like even like artistic things yeah. that are culturally relevant in India today. And again, he's basically just a, he's also about 2200 years ago, 21 years ago. He's basically just a generation after or to Alexander the Great. Right. Because his, it was his grandfather that fought against Alexander the Great. Right before Alexander the Great's army mutinied, right? Yeah, basically. So, like, when after the death of Alexander, his kingdom was kind of fractured. And, like, the person who was in charge yeah. of the Indian part of Alexander's campaign, so basically a direct heir to Alexander's empire, one of his contemporaries, fought against Ashoka's grandpa in India and, and lost. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, it been, right. Part of the deal was then, you know, they made some truces or whatever, but India came out on the on the better side of it, and, and Alexander's heir was kind of pushed away and that was that was Ashoka's grandpa but it's that kind of world and just you know just a generation or two later yeah another interesting thing about Ashoka is that they have um or that he basically set up this system where they would have these kind of like pillars or or um yes yeah for like edicts and stuff it's like how you how you put messages up right so his officials would go throughout the kingdom and write down like hey Osaka the Great just said this and you know it's the word of of the king or whatever and that was kind of a, a new thing and it also it allows him to be pretty extensively studied by historians because it's basically like his exact words are written on these pillars all across India right it's basically Twitter from 2000 years ago exactly yeah 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 <laughs> yeah Ashaka put out a tweet so we have to spend months building it and chiseling in the, in the words but, <laughs> and it's, but again that's what they did then and the fact that so many of those are actually still extant today is actually really really neat and the case the case against uh doesn't have the notoriety obviously was less relevant outside of India didn't have you know this worldwide impact on things it, it, it was more was more kind of a regional thing yeah. But again, but again, like I said, I really don't have a good case against anybody we're talking about today. So, <laughs> if we have to choose who advances, is it going to get the bigger breakdown uh, in the next round? Are we going with Alexander the Great or Osaka the Great? So it's like it's like we always got to like uh, uh, paper, rock, oh, scissors, it to see who's what. I'll I'll say it, and again, I 
So here's the problem. I, I feel like I don't think this is what we are doing. I wonder to what extent we are biased by people we're familiar with being less interesting, as Sam kind of right. mentioned after the, the Jesus versus Trunk sisters thing. But at the same yes. time, the fact that Osaka has this change of heart, that just makes him stand out for me in a way that Alexander right. the Great doesn't. And I have to vote Osaka. Right. He does both. I was going to do the same thing. And I was going to say that my reasoning is because he does both. He does the conquering, just like Alexander the Great did. Not to the same extent, obviously. But he does the conquering, but then is like, oh, man, war kind of sucks. I'm going to be basically a pacifist now. And then still has a hugely successful kingdom. Right. It's like he abdicated like his grandfather did when he, yeah. Right. But yeah, because of that, the change of heart, I think, makes him a more interesting historical figure. Yeah, and and I agree. And I've kind of, so it's funny, the first few rounds, or first few times, I, when I kind of was thinking it upset, I was surprised when you, when you did too. But now I'm like, we're doing a lot of the same research. I kind of then feel comfortable. I was like, you know what? I think if I say Ashaka, I think, I think that's probably where Logan's going to go too. But I, but I agree. Yeah. It's not about most important. It's about who's right. more interesting and right. we think Oshaka the Great had a more interesting life. Right. If if you go for if, if you're looking at notoriety or you know who had a bigger kingdom or who did the most conquering, like it's no question, Alexander ten times out of ten. But because we are trying to find you know the most interesting and not necessarily the most influential or important, um, I think Osaka's story is more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's more compelling. And again, you know, we kind of said that the theme of this whole tournament is that Doseki's guy, most interesting man in the world meme. Right. And yeah, I. I'm I'm putting Oshaka on there before Alexander yeah. the Great, uh, although I'm a big, a big I, Alexander the Great fan. Yeah, and I think the only reason that he's not bigger is because you know because of the the more regional aspect of his rule. Right. There was no reason for Europe to ever talk about him, basically. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And because as uh, as John Green points out in his Crash Course video about Osaka. Um, a lot of the history that, at, at least, you know, for a long time, the only history that uh, Europeans had from India was, like, from British historians mm. who were, like, <laughs> very biased, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So that's what, I, I mean, that's, I think that his, I think that Osaka story is more compelling and I wish that, that he was, I wish that he was bigger here in uh right here in the States. and i think that's maybe part of and again not that that's our goal necessarily with this tournament but i do think there's something to be said for advocating for these people becoming bigger names yeah well and it's it's one of the it's one of the reasons why when you first started and then when when we were um choosing movies that we wanted to we wanted to try and include stuff you know more foreign films and more films about stuff that wasn't just like Oh, the you know there was the Greeks and the Romans, and then there was you know the British Empire, and then everything after you know 1776 is all American history. Right. Like we wanted to make it, we wanted to make it world history. We wanted to kind of shine a light maybe on stuff that that even like we hadn't heard about before we came on this project. Oh no, right. Like I, I think I think I even said like of the hundred some movies we did, I mean thirty or forty of them I had never even seen or heard of, and just in all, and I had never heard of a Sock of the Great before I researched him for the podcast three years right. ago, and and so yeah, I think there's uh, something to be said for that. Okay, so our second matchup today pits Julius Caesar versus Ramesses the Second or Ramesses the Great. And this is another one that I think this was even harder. I, than the yes, first one. yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so uh, Julius Caesar, of course, the not actually the first emperor of Rome, but uh, he's just kind of this 
famous dictator of Rome. He's the kind of the transition piece to go from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire was kind of triggered by Julius Caesar, although he was not actually the first right. emperor. Famously assassinated, Ars yeah. of March, and then versus Ramses II, who we saw in The Prince of Egypt. It was actually one of my very first episodes when I did The Prince of Egypt to talk about Moses and Judaism, but then also they cast Ramses II as the pharaoh there. But, of course, the pharaoh in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, is actually not mentioned specifically who it is. It's just commonly chosen to it to be Ramses II, who is super historically relevant and basically the greatest pharaoh of all time. Right. Uh, so much so that, like, the next, I don't know, was it like eight or nine pharaohs all said, my name is Ramses too. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was basically an I Spartacus moment, but it was like, I am Ramses, I am Ramses. Right. And, yeah. okay, so let's make the case for and against Julius Caesar as the most interesting person in history. Again, we don't have a lot of cases against anybody today. Cases for Julius Caesar. He basically broke the Roman Republic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. It just kind of uh, used uh, a lot of, like, selfish and uh, illegal means to kind of uh, ram his policies and, and stuff through that he wanted done. And then, uh, you know, then he went to Gaul and uh kind of used a bunch of roman resources for again his own gain and then came back to rome and yeah like you said not not the first emperor because the first emperor was augustus right yeah after after basically the aftermath of the caesar assassination led to the fall of the republic yeah yeah right but you know had he had he not oh true it it might have been heading that way he he had already been yeah he he had already been named uh leader for life so hugely popular yeah, it's it's crazy. Not to mention all the stuff that we uh, talked about with him and Cleopatra. <laughs> oh right, and Cleopatra. Oh, oh, by the way, had a kid with Cleopatra, and yeah, so yeah, he was born of a good family, but was also in most ways kind of a self-made man. And there's actually some parallels to Churchill, with as far as like he kind of was like you know making a name for himself, and then kind of ends up you know disgraced temporarily, or just kind of like not as popular but then kind of has a resurgence and then in the campaigns in Gaul just proves himself a beyond capable military leader who's super popular like you said with the Roman people and I did discuss him in detail in the Cleopatra episode because even kind of like the first part of the movie Cleopatra deals with Caesar specifically getting uh his uh kind of whole thing set up and basically he got and he's kind of summarizing what I kind of talked about then was he was getting kind of too powerful for his own good, like you said. And Rome, the city of Rome itself, and the, the people there, they, they kind of the two consuls or whatever, so they didn't actually ever have you know one person in charge. It was kind of people they would share power. They said, hey, you need to come back. Right. Just because we, you're getting too powerful and we're worried, so we need to bring you back into the fold. And he basically had two options. It's like, okay, tail between his legs, return home to be chastised, or return home with right. the army and take charge. Right. With a whole Roman legion, and I'm in charge now. <laughs> and yeah. what, what's so cool, too, and I don't think, and I touched on it a little bit before, but I think it does bear repeating. So it was a huge Roman custom. You don't bring an army into Rome. And so Caesar had a choice. And this is why this is a, a phrase today crossing the Rubicon. Basically, it's that point of no return. That was Caesar literally crossing the Rubicon River into Rome with his army, 
which is basically like everything changes. If he stops on one side of the Rubicon, things can basically stay mostly normal and figure out whatever to do then. Once he crosses the Rubicon, it's a whole new world and he basically takes power or dies. Right. But the people love him, and yep. yeah, the people love him. The people love him. Pompey, his other council, ends up kind of then just kind of running away because he's scared of Caesar. And right. yes, yeah, so then, then obviously there's multiple campaigns and the whole thing with Cleopatra, and then you know years go by and the triumvirate right. of him and uh, him and Pompey and, and Octavian. Well, and I think Octavian was part of the next triumvirate with Mark Antony and the other guy and Lepidus or whatever. Oh, yeah. that's right. I might be getting right. my things kind of crossed here too. But yes, then he's assassinated because the senators worry he's getting too much power. And, you know, that the famous phrase uttered here is six emperor Tyrannus, thus always the tyrants. Basically, if you take charge, you will fall. And the people of this republic will not stand for it. But of course, he was really popular. And the people kind of actually wanted Caesar to be in charge. And then, and then anyway, all this stuff happens after Caesar's death. But that's really not about Caesar's life, I guess. Right. He was he was a dictator. I mean, literally dictator. Like in Latin, dictator is like speaker. Like he spoke for the people. He was right. It means something different. Literally a dictator, but but hugely popular and effective and and enacted policies that people liked. So, you know, not a dictator in a sense of like, you know, ruling with an iron fist. Yes. Romans use dictator is almost like a temporary move to expedite things in times of need. So they would basically appoint a dictator to get stuff done really quickly. And then, and then they basically would be for a set time. You, okay, we're going to appoint you dictator for one year and then you can do some stuff and then things go back to normal. And so one of the famous examples, and it does kind of tie to American history. There was the guy Cincinnatus, I think it was about a hundred years before Caesar who was given these vast powers and then set them aside. Actually, he even came out of retirement, I think, to take these vast powers, become dictator, settle things down, and went back in retirement. And so that's who the uh, city of Cincinnati is named after. And George Washington, when he only chose to serve two terms, he was kind of looking to Cincinnatus from ancient Rome uh, as kind of a model. Huh. But then Caesar, <laughs> there was kind of, and that's kind of why the Senate, I think, chose to assassinate him, was there was no signs <laughs> that he was going to follow the Cincinnatus model and that he was going to basically hold on to power for life. And they kind of worried, they worried that it would be in the Republic. The irony, of course, is their assassinating him may have actually been what caused the fall of the Republic, and maybe Caesar would not right. have gone the route that they feared, but his heir, Augustus, or Octavian, who becomes Augustus, surely did and founds the, the Empire. Yeah. Case against Caesar? <laughs> yeah, crickets. I don't know. I mean, you could, like, it, I, I think it would even be a stretch to make the, oh, well, he was just a conqueror. Like, oh, he was just... No, because no. he's more than that. When you, right, when you get the Cleopatra stuff, right? he had... Uh, Epilepsy? Wait, are they called Caesar? That's those. Are, that's okay. No. <laughs> okay, that's that, that. Those are different words. They sound similar though. Seizure is not from his name, but he did have them. Right. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're right. He he is. He definitely has the multiple hat things going for him. Yeah. I mean his his life is so interesting that like William Shakespeare wrote about right right yeah yeah i don't know i I, I really can't think of much to say against julius caesar i mean i guess you i mean as far as i guess his life yeah he's doing all these things bold things i mean i guess you could argue it's just a lot of politicking and warring that everybody does and why is his any more special it just happened at the just transition time of rome because he did it at it yeah i was gonna say because it was such a right right time in rome but so much of that happens after his life actually see you could argue the exciting stuff happened after he died yeah, but he was so instrumental in setting that stuff up that had he not done everything that he did, that a lot of that stuff maybe doesn't even happen. Right, but that goes back to the whole, you know, Jesus, but Jesus argument. Also, it's all at the after same him. Time, yeah. You know, how much of 
I was going to say also at the same time, how much of that is him versus like the fallout from right, his death, right? Which right, it's almost like, oh, did we even choose the right person? Should we have chosen Octavian, who then becomes is the nephew or adopted nephew of Caesar? I mean, who you can almost make an argument that Octavian is actually more interesting. So to me, that's so I'm saying that's made the argument against Caesar is did we even pick the right person from his own family? I I mean I. I think so. <laughs> okay, okay. No, right. I'm just like we're we're, we're playing we're, we're playing right, devil's advocate yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a yeah, definitely a uh, a possible. Case yeah, yeah. Him, I guess. Okay. So looking at Ramses the second. Now this is a little tricky because from a historical standpoint, we really can't use any of the Moses stuff. That's not historical. I mean, that's it's it's a book of Exodus. It's it's, it's this right. age old story. But even if the book of Exodus were literally true, we don't even know that it's Ramesses they're talking about. So you can't use it at all. Right. But historically, he's basically the greatest pharaoh from the greatest age of ancient Egypt. And he's just almost synonymous with pharaoh. Anything you think about the power a pharaoh had or what pharaohs were like or anything generic pharaoh, you're thinking of Ramesses II. Right. His temples, they were made in such a way that it was more difficult to um, like carve over the, the relief carvings and stuff. But that didn't really even matter because everyone just revered him so much that all the pharaoh, like I said, the what was that seven or eight or nine or whatever pharaohs after him, all named themselves Ramses because they wanted to be like, oh well, maybe if I name myself the same thing, people think that like just a couple of these things are attributed to me. Oh, to me yeah, maybe. yeah. But it's all, but it's all Ramses yeah. the second, and it's just you know he 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 did a made a lot of cool temples. He did um if you've. Ever heard of anyone in history making a peace treaty where they oh. take someone who's like a former enemy and then making an alliance with them? Yeah, Ramses was the first person right. to do that that right. we know the, of. Like at, at least from a, from a major civilization. Yes, with the Hittites, he, the first peace treaty, and it lasted for like a hundred. Right, years. the oldest recorded peace treaty was the Egyptians versus the Hittites. Right. And what's crazy too is like yeah. even how like Egypt is kind of always this. Of course, this ties back to Napoleon taking an expedition down to Egypt, and they kind of discovered some a lot of stuff then, which then brought this idea of this culturally rich ancient civilization in Egypt to Europe and kind of put it in the zeitgeist there. But uh, as far as the, we talk about Cleopatra being kind of the oldest woman celebrity that we could think of, that's kind of Ramses. Ramses the Great is a thousand years before Alexander the Great, who is himself a couple hundred years right. before Caesar. So yeah. this is someone who was ruling Egypt like 3,300 years ago. And his reign was just so long. Like he lived to be 95. He outlived like a bunch of his kids. Um, I saw in a video from the YouTube channel Overly Sarcastic Productions where he basically said, all right, imagine this. Imagine John F. Kennedy was the president from the time that he was president all the way up until, like, you know, the 90s. Obama. But also... No, it said Obama, I thought. Right. Uh, uh, right. Okay, yeah. So all, all the way up until Obama. But then... But he didn't start when he started. He started back in World War II. Right. Like, his reign was just so long. Which I actually don't know why they chose Kennedy then. Why not just say if Harry Truman had never left office and that Obama was the next president? I think... Maybe an age thing? I don't know. Oh, because Kennedy, if he wasn't assassinated, would have actually had the age. Versus Truman did actually die of natural... I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Kennedy could have lived that long versus Truman may not. Okay. Right. Okay. That makes sense then. Yeah. Just in, well, didn't he... I talked about Oshaka being one of several siblings or several brothers or you know dozens, if not a hundred brothers. Ramsey's on the other side of that. Ramsey's had like a hundred kids because they had all the different wives and tiers of wives. So like this dude legit yeah. had like... <laughs> 
like not a, not exaggerating like 100 kids because right. which is like well how do you yeah. do that well if you have 40 wives and concubines or whatever you know what oh yeah a couple kids yep. each and all of a sudden you got 100 kids <laughs> yeah they're in a rotation <laughs> oh man and but that was also just part of it it's so something i always think about a lot especially when watching you know tv and movies and stuff you know these period pieces you think about that was their present so i always try to think about that once in a while and and was just trying to think about that these last couple of days with ramesses i'm just kind of just mind blown. i almost can't even get my head around being ramesses that's your present you're in this you know vast kingdom of egypt that as far as you know and essentially is like it's stands alone on the whole world you don't even know what the whole world is and just you're basically this god king pharaoh and you probably are convinced yourself that the gods have blessed you with all these riches and just anyway just just kind of fascinating to think that this was a real person who you know lived and breathed and walked on the earth because he does almost even more than anybody else on this list he seems larger than life he almost seems like a god to me right as far as right he's not and even I, human i think that's because he has like the opposite thing that like Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great have where they have, you know, they're conquering big, you know, larger than life persona, but then also all this like drama stuff on the side. Ramses didn't have any of that. Basically, his entire persona was being Pharaoh, the mm. God King. And so like the way that we see him now is like kind of the way that he was seen True. by his people is like this larger you know, than life, larger than deified, life, yeah. giant, you know, statue of a man had all these temples built that he didn't, uh, he didn't even commission like a lot of them. Oh, there are people who were just like, we we need, we need to build this temple. Cause like this dude is the, is the coolest. Right. He's basically a living God. Right. Right. Yeah. I just think that that's so interesting that where, you know, we find someone like Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, so interesting because of all their personal, you know, dramatic stuff on the side. It almost makes him stand above the rest because he didn't, didn't have any of that. Right. Or when you hear of, you know, other people or say like a Caligula who may, or Nero, or those, those Roman guys who tried to say they were gods, we think they were crazy. If Ramsey right. would have tried to say he was a god, we'd be like, yeah, sounds about right. I mean, I could see, yeah, I could see why he, he wouldn't have <laughs> to be crazy to believe it. If you just think about his right. life and the life he lived. So there's a person who's just, yeah, it's just kind of kind of crazy. And then Egypt in general is kind of fascinating because I'm pretty sure, and I didn't relook this up, but I think that part of the reason we kind of have this focus on Egypt is it's not only one of the oldest great civilizations in the history of humanity, it's also one in which we have the list of every pharaoh. You can look up the first, I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but you can look up the first pharaoh and just follow the list for thousands of years until you hit Cleopatra, the last pharaoh. And yeah. it just, they just kept such good records. And I feel like that just kind of even kind of heightens it. So it's, I don't know, it's just fascinating. And just, I don't know, it just seems so separate from today's world, even more so. Well, of course, then even timeline wise, now I guess Ramses is, Cleopatra is closer to Ramses than she is to us. But with the pyramids, Cleopatra is closer to present day than she is to the construction of the pyramids, which means even Ramses, yeah. the pyramids were like a couple thousand years old. Right. That's just blows my mind like, even more. When the, pyra when the pyramids were built, there were still woolly mammoths walking around. <sighs> that's crazy. So he, so again, as far as the world, as far as him being interesting, that's the world he's born into. He's born into this thousand plus year old civilization and becomes this right. god pharaoh within it. And that was even 3,300 years ago. 
and then there's all the kids and all the campaigns and uh you know you pull up his wikipedia page you know fighting pirates and he's so he's, he's a good commander too and just yeah he he was egypt he is the pharaoh so when you're gonna tell the story of exodus you have to pick a famous pharaoh there's no there's no other option other than right ramses the second exactly and you, you you mentioned the uh the pirates he fought the pirates and then he won and then instead of like killing them all or like you know banishing them or like them becoming enemies no he like persuaded them to come and like join his army yeah and then he had these like pirates helping him out and like his his royal guard or whatever and again i love too again this doesn't have to do with his life but his mummy's still around you want we can go on vacation and see his mummy his 3300 year old mummy is around and you kind of look at him you're like yeah that kind of looks like a mummified 90 plus year old man and ah it's it's kind of crazy it's kind of crazy we should bring that back mummification (sighs) man (laughs) I, where did, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever seen, it is kind of interesting, the side note, the, have you seen like the, the bog mummies? The like, basically like bogs are kind of, I forget where I, where I was looking this up or where it came up, but basically certain bogs have these chemical properties that they will naturally mummify a body. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just think it's kind of fascinating that mummification can happen without human intervention. If you basically like fall in a bog and die, the chemical properties are such that it will mummify you instead of decomposing you. And I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, well, and and the same same thing with like uh, the really old guy that was frozen in the ice for like that's true ten thousand years or something. It, it, it basically the same same type of he's basically like freeze right. That makes more sense to me, though, like intuitively, that someone could be frozen, like in the in, in ice for, a, but the idea that you could be you could fall into a bog and like all gross and oh, wet right. and muddy, and that also preserves you instead of the I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more it's less intuitive than the the frozen people. Um, <laughs> anyway, that wasn't related to anything. Okay, so, uh, case against Ramses the second would be almost that he. I don't know. We almost don't know enough about his day to day. I guess I don't know. I guess I don't. Again, I don't have a good case against anybody this week. Obviously, like we've been saying, but I don't know. What would you even say against him? That he's almost because he's larger than life. How can we even say he had an interesting life? Because it was always almost boring. They're just like, oh, I'm I'm just a god of these people, and I can't really even relate to anybody, and I'm I'm bored. Yeah, I would say that the case against it, which you could make it go either way. The no drama, no nonsense, just conquering, just being a god king. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have any of the juicy, like, affair with Cleopatra right, or right. anything like that, like Julius Caesar Right, does. people people aren't out to kill him because they're too scared. <laughs> right, yeah, You exactly. can't kill someone who you think is better than you, or who you think is actually literally above you, like, spiritually. Yeah, right. Okay, so what's crazy on this one? We've talked it all out. It's time to decide. I don't know! <laughs> So I'll, I'll I'll go. I'm torn. I'm legit torn. So I I am torn too. Um, and I I do have a way. I would say I would say I'm 55, 45 one way, but I kind of want to wait to hear what you so say. Right. So I I I know that I made a big deal about how Ramses is seen as the god, you know, basically living god, god king because of the no drama. But personally, I find all that stuff fascinating. The juicy, dramatic, like affairs and political backstabbing and stuff i mean you know sorry pun intended for oh. Julius Caesar. <laughs> yeah so i i find that stuff fascinating um so i actually am leaning julius caesar okay i'm actually leaning ramses the second oh no <laughs> and and almost too so here here's my thought before i before i heard who you said 
I was like, okay, if he says Ramses, I'll go with it. If he says Julius Caesar, I think we need to force a vote just because we don't have enough votes. Yeah, so we're gonna have so to do the. It, I I don't I don't feel strongly about it, but I do feel we need we need a vote. I'm I'm going Ramses. You're going Julius Caesar. We need to do another blind vote. So if you're just tuning in, the, okay. the way we decided to break ties this first round, we'll probably do the same thing second round here. Is we just each have a pool of 100 points to use throughout this first round and the highest point on the blind bid wins it basically just decides who feels more passionately about their choice uh we did it once before where i wanted uh dracula vlad the impaler to advance logan had chosen isabella the she-wolf of france and he did feel stronger about it so he bid 40 i bid seven but that means going into julius caesar versus ramses i have 100 points at my disposal logan only has 60 points at his disposal Ooh, yeah. Now, at the same time, it all just depends on how passionately then we we feel about it here. So we're going to do, we're yeah. going to just kind of uh, put this in uh, Google spreadsheet here, and we'll just kind of hit enter at the same time. So you'll just kind of hear our countdown as we as we get going on which way this is going to go. Okay, I have I have my number uh, in and ready to go. So we'll whenever. Uh... Okay, I typed in a number. <laughs> okay, so right. okay, so, the so okay, we're going to go. Okay, yeah, we have. One, two, yep. three, go. Oh! oh my god. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Oh no. Uh, so uh we tied. We for the listeners, yeah. uh we both picked twenty-five. <laughs> Rich, what do we um, do? <laughs> okay, so we have a couple options here. We could basically argue that that was a higher percentage of your remaining things, but then that. So I'm I'm gonna legit text Joe right now. Does that seem fair? Yeah, we'll do a phone. We'll do a phone a friend and have Joe be the tiebreaker. Um, so yeah, we haven't mentioned uh, 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 Joe's a, another friend who's a historian. Or sorry, well, he's a history teacher who we hope to bring in here in a, in a couple rounds to kind of discuss some things with us. So I'm gonna text him real quick and let him break the tie. You know, I'm kicking myself too because I was like, you know what? I should vote 26 instead of 25 <laughs> because I was like, well, if you if you do anything, it'll probably be on a on a multiple of five. That was just my thinking. That's what most people do, even though yeah. you did seven last time. So I was like, well, I'll just you know, I'll try and like prices right him and just you know, just go one above. Okay, I just heard back from Joe. We obviously cut out the little stuff. Oh, I got of course I got little dots. He's ty- he's typing a couple a couple messages here, but I'm I'm excited to see. Oh, he said if if he says if we need if if we need him to, he'll hop on the call with us right now. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, <laughs> what's up? What's up? How's dude? it going? Oh, it's going well, man. It's going well. So yeah, welcome welcome to the party. So yeah, we uh, we we did you one better instead of instead of just uh, uh, texting Joe and getting the response here. We actually went ahead and brought him in on the call. So jo- joining us to break the tie here is uh, Joe Hubner, who, unlike Logan or myself, actually has a degree in in history <laughs> as, a, as a history teacher down in Texas. So thanks for joining us, Joe. And uh, we're going to bring him in in a couple rounds here when we get to the, the final eight. But uh, we just thought it was too perfect and he was available to break the tie here right now. So, yeah, we end up with a tie between Julius Caesar and Ramses II. Did you say in the text message who who had voted for who? Oh, I did not. Yeah, no, he did not. Okay, all right. So Lo- Logan right. went Caesar, and I I went Ramses II. But it was but I was definitely torn. Like like we we feel we both are big fans of both. They both lived very very interesting lives, and it almost is unfair that they met in the first round of the tournament here. Yeah. So, so first off, just super excited to be on here. Um, you know, I've been talking <laughs> with Richie for a while about. Uh, you know, the stuff they've been doing on the podcast and some super cool stuff. Uh, so really just 
excited to get to take place in uh, this tournament because I think it's a super cool idea. But yeah, I mean, Julius Caesar and uh, Ramsey II, both super fascinating characters. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. Uh, this kind of sprung <laughs> on me. I didn't anticipate. Five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Like right next to you. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I told Richie over text message that my initial gut reaction was Ramsey's the second. And I based that, you know, primarily uh, he, he was expansionist for Egypt. He led them through somewhat of a golden age. And then just there's a ton of intrigue about ancient Egypt to begin with. And so I think that kind of has me a little biased there. But in addition to the likelihood of him being the pharaoh referenced in the book of Exodus, um, you know, he's often associated with that. And so, you know, whether you take that as historical fact or not, I think that plays into it uh, for sure. But I'm definitely uh, excited to hear Logan try to uh, (laughs) sway me to Julius Caesar, because obviously uh, another huge character in history. So basically, my my argument for Caesar over Ramses is because Ramses doesn't have the like political dealings, the juicy, dramatic personal life. For stuff sure, for sure. Caesar does. Well, he's got a, he's got a hundred kids. I'm sure there was all kinds of drama that didn't get recorded. Yeah, so he had like two hundred wives. None that we on. know about. <laughs> but this, it's it's like a he he kind of like disappeared into the role of pharaoh where he almost basically became a god king in real life whereas julius caesar i think is more interesting because all the juicy stuff um that i personally find more fascinating and also i just want to you know if you're more of a a empirical evidence kind of (laughs) guy i only had 60 points available to use for my vote because i used 40 uh last week when we were talking about Isabella and I so I used my 40 points so I only had 60 points and I spent 25 of them Richie had all 100 (laughs) and he spent 25 so my vote was technically I want it more because I spent a bigger percentage of my points than Richie did oh you spent 25 less than you wanted for Isabella France over Dracula though (laughs) yeah but you uh you gotta, but, you gotta budget, well, budget in the big scheme of things. But this, no, but th- on this, this we're, we're not talking about that one anymore. We're talking about this one. <laughs> yeah, po- points are points. Points are points. Logan's like, oh, I'm broke, so I want it more. I'm just desperate. <laughs> <laughs> so I've missed out on the uh, on the whole point scenario here. <laughs> oh yeah. So our our initial our initial tiebreaker thing was basically just a pool of points that we each had a hundred points during the first round to spend on ties. And we, okay. this is only the second time that we've actually even voted. We've actually agreed on every other time and then so on uh isabella of france versus uh dracula we did actually have to vote or bid and logan won that bid with uh 40 but i got to keep my uh all my points yeah and then so this time we both bid 25 and <laughs> so if you win, if you win if you win the bid you lose the points yeah, right. yeah. but obviously you win so you get your right your pick. So, so, so yeah so i yeah. had i had 60 points to to available to bid this time and rich had all one right so we're like we'll text joe we'll text text joe to break the tie so third (laughs) went to the third round tiebreaker so yeah i I can certainly see where logan's coming at as far as the uh you know the government aspect of caesar you know he had a much more radical effect on rome's government as opposed to ramses ii who basically just followed in line with what other pharaohs did and what other pharaohs did after him you know obviously the the changing of the roman republic to the roman empire so yeah back with the uh the triumvirate with Crassus yeah, and Pompey yeah. and him essentially overthrowing the other two. Right. 
And that is interesting. I guess also too, like a lot of the stuff, like you talk about the, the the establishment of the empire. Well, a lot of that stuff, like I was telling Logan, is in the wake of his assassination. So that's technically not even part of his life. That's like things that happened as you know as a consequence thereof. But mm-hmm. he didn't have anything to do with. Yeah, but without Julius Caesar, you don't get any of that. Right, stuff. but it's, in- it's without interesting. Julius Caesar yeah. breaking the republic and basically doing away with all the. I agree, and he's imp- and he's republican and he's- stuff in Rome. That you don't get a- an empire afterwards. Right. Yeah, he's important, and I'm a big fan. But again, we're talking interesting. Live lived again. It's close. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna be heartbroken if Joe changes these his are, mind. These here. are these are there's certainly two two very very close matchup like. Um, right, you know, right. both of them are super, and, super fascinating, um, and so it, it's really hard to determine between the two. And ultimately, too, our, our criteria are kind of arbitrary. Like, we don't have a hard and fast like scoring system, or yeah, yeah, yeah of course. If any, I don't know if I told you, Joe. Basically, thematically, in my mind, it's that Dosecki's guy, most interesting yeah. man in the world meme. So, picture that guy, and is it Julius Caesar or is it Ramses the <laughs> Second? <laughs> so, bam, on the spot. Picturing just that guy, you know, I, I certainly see the arguments for Julius Caesar, but I, I got to go with Ramses II. You know, I think there's so much interesting <laughs> stuff there. Like I said, you know, with his expansion of Egypt, he he conquered the Hittites, uh, which were in control of modern day Turkey at the time. Built tons and tons of monuments that are still existent in today in modern day Egypt. And then again, like I said, with the 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 strong possibility of him being the Pharaoh of Exodus. And again, I, I get that that you can take that as whether or not the book of Exodus is fact or whether that is a, a myth. But with that in there, you know, to me, uh, you know, I think that makes him incredibly fascinating. Um, OK, which will uh, then put him up against because uh, we haven't uh, Joe hasn't, unless he's looking right now. We actually had an upset just earlier this episode, too, where we picked we both actually agreed on Oshaka the Great over Alexander the Great. Whoa, whoa, big with, upset uh, with. Uh, yeah. You'll, and you'll have to go back and uh, listen to that once we post it. But basically, the, the short version is that there's lots of conquerors. And yes, Alexander is one of the best. But. Oshaka had this whole change of heart where he then basically disavows all of his conquest and violence and becomes a pacifist. And just the idea that he yeah. had this kind of un- unique shift that you don't see with all these other guys. So again, absolutely, we can kind of say this whole episode was just kind of, it was a perfect episode to kind of introduce you to the show too, Joe, because these four guys we discussed today, we think they all could have made the championship. They all could be in the final. Sure. And the fact that we had yeah. to eliminate two of them today, uh, it was probably appropriate that we kind of, painted ourselves into a corner and needed some help breaking a tie here today so <laughs> i will say this is kind of it's kind of like a doubly disappointing thing that julius caesar got booted because the way that the bracket was set up i was kind of hoping that we would get a julius caesar versus cleopatra episode. and that would have been really really ironic there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Although we remember we're going to switch that. They're b- both the top two from each region advance. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, they were going to they were going to get re- re- reshuffled, re- distributed in their next bracket. So yes, that'll that'll do it for this time. That was uh more exciting than we anticipated and stay with us next time when we will have Genghis Khan versus Pope Julius II and Robert the Bruce versus Henry the 7th. <laughs> <laughs>